Georgia's DBHDD has an urgent health warning. One of every 10 counterfeit pills contain fentanyl, a powerful and very deadly drug. Pills from friends or dealers are unsafe, and one pill can cause an overdose. More info at opioidresponse.info. Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Wednesday, May 17th. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, is the creation of the city of Mableton unconstitutional? A new lawsuit says so. Georgia power customers can expect an increase in their electric bills, and a former Augusta mayor is campaigning to raise money for a cancer cure. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. Georgia power customers' electricity bills will be going up 12% in June. GPB's Devin Zwald has more. Georgia's elected public service commissioners yesterday unanimously approved the company's plan to make up for the higher cost of fuel. The typical residential bill will increase nearly $16 a month. It's one of at least three increases Georgia Power customers are likely to see this year. A rate increase took place in January and rates are expected to go up again later this year when Georgia Power brings online the first of two new nuclear reactors. From the GPB Newsroom, I'm Devin Zwald. Some residents of Mableton are suing over the creation of their city, saying the referendum to create the city was unconstitutional and fatally defective. Mableton's ballot question and city charter created both the city and its community improvement district. State law considers these separate governmental bodies, and the lawsuit alleges creating both in one bill violated the state constitution. The plaintiffs also say ballot questions must address only one issue to give voters a clear choice. Lawmakers failed to bring de-annexation legislation in time for it to pass this session. Councilwoman Deborah Herndon and Patricia Auk, who supported de-annexation, won seats on the city council last year. A state judge has cleared the way for nearly 200 United Methodist churches in North Georgia to vote on whether or not to leave the denomination. The decision yesterday came in a Cobb County Superior Court case over the legality of a pause that the denomination's regional conference put on church defections. Jeff Jernigan of Cobb County's McEachern United Methodist Church says the denomination remains divided over many issues, but trust is now gone. It's basically like a divorce, and and so you're severing you know decades-long relationship with people and with ministries, and it's it is brutal. It's the second time this month that a Georgia court has ruled in favor of United Methodists seeking to disaffiliate. An earlier ruling sided with a church in Augusta. Former Augusta Mayor Deke Copenhaver is turning his fight against cancer into a campaign to raise money for a cure. Copenhaver says he was diagnosed with stage 3 esophageal cancer last month. He and his team raised $50,000 this weekend for the Georgia Cancer Center's Unite in the Fight walk. Your first question is, am I going to die? But then when my prognosis was good, I thought, you know, I'm in a position where I can really do some good with this. Copenhaver says he draws strength from being part of a larger cause. He served nearly 10 years as mayor, ending in 2014. The election to fill a Georgia House of Representatives seat left vacant in March after the death of a lawmaker will go to a runoff. None of the five candidates running to fill the seat surpassed 50% of the vote, which is required to fill the seat that opened when Democrat Tish Nagisi died. Democrats Mark Baker and Derek Jackson each got about 33% of the vote, with Baker holding a small lead. The district southwest of Atlanta encompasses parts of Fulton and Fayette counties. The runoff election will take place June 13th. 
A new poll says Donald Trump is the frontrunner for president among Georgia conservative voters. Landmark Communications released the poll today showing Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Georgia Governor Brian Kemp trailing the former president. Neither DeSantis nor Kemp has announced a presidential bid, but Kemp's senior advisor Cody Hall told GPB's Political Rewind that things can change quickly. I think where the governor is most comfortable and where he will have the most influence is is making sure that our nominee wins Georgia, whoever they may be, but then also being a voice of common sense conservatism across the country to kind of try to shape where the party's going. The poll surveyed 800 likely Republican voters in Georgia this week. If you like hearing the news from around the state here on Georgia Today, you'll probably like hearing how Georgia's agriculture economy feeds the country and the world on a fork in the road. I'm David Zelski, and on the Fork in the Road podcast, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Find it online at gpb.org podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. Fulton County leadership has backed down from a controversial move to nominate a Republican to replace a Democrat to lead the county's election board. GPB's Donna Lowry reports. In a surprise move, Fulton County Commission Chair and Democrat Rob Pitts rescinded his contentious decision to nominate former Republican Commissioner Lee Morris to chair the county's Board of Registration and Elections. Dozens of voting rights activists packed the commission meeting as Pitts nominated Democrat Patrice Perkins Hooker instead. Mina Tarabi of Young Democrats of Georgia. We have to make sure that the person who is sitting over our board and who is sitting there over our elections will make sure that they uphold the integrity of not just Democratic voters, not just Republican voters, but all voters in this county. Perkins Hooker is the election board's attorney and will step down from that position. The commission voted 4-0 to appoint her. For GPB News, I'm Donna Lowry in Atlanta. It's been a tough couple of decades for North American bats. Where they live in caves, a fungus has been laying waste to their colonies by the millions. Meanwhile, bats living outside caves are doing better, but there's still a lot to learn. That's why every summer, the Georgia Department of Natural Resources asks everyday people to help by counting bats on summer evenings. GPB's Grant Blankenship has more. Trina Morris says an overcast night is perfect for counting bats. So we can watch them when they drop out. Drop out of their roost. In this case, a bat box in the native plant garden behind Macon's Museum of Arts and Sciences. Morris is a biologist with the Georgia Department of Natural Resources. About a half dozen people are with her, waiting on Mexican free-tailed bats. (laughs) These are the bats that are under the Congress Avenue Bridge in Austin. There are one and a half million of those bats under that one bridge. Yeah, they're tough and they're tiny. How many here? Well, fewer, but who knows? That's why we're counting. Ethan Hatchett is the bat monitor trainee. This will be his bat roost. He'll be a good landlord. So what's he got to do? Have your smartphone. Georgia DNR has an online form where volunteer bat counters can record what they see at their roost. So like how windy it is, the temperature. Once the form's filled out, Trina Morris says you wait until the bats take to the air. Five, six, seven. They start pouring out, you kind of try to count them in like five or ten. Forty. So you just like have to stare, which makes your neighbors think you're crazy. Oh, 80, 85. Final count? 152. 152 Mexican free-tailed bats. What more do you want out of a Friday night? Tina Morris hopes others agree and will help her keep tabs on Georgia's bats, wherever they are. For GPB News, I'm Grant Blankenship in Macon. Two big building projects have been approved for the University of Georgia. 
The Georgia Board of Regents authorized construction yesterday of a 565-bed dorm for first-year students. The goal is to add space for UGA's growing freshman classes. The board also approved a three-story building for a dining hall, classrooms, and clinics. The total cost for the two projects? Nearly $135 million. Both are expected to be finished by the fall of 2026. Chick-fil-A is closing its first-ever location at Atlanta's Greenbrier Mall. A sign at the store says its last day of operation will be Saturday. Chick-fil-A got its start in Hapeville, south of Atlanta, but its first mall location in 1967 kicked off its growth. The company now has more than 3,000 locations. A Chick-fil-A spokesperson did not immediately reply to a request for comment. And that is it for today's edition of Georgia Today. Hope you are doing well and staying dry in all this rainy weather. Going to get some sunshine next week. At least I think we are. I hope we are. If you want to learn more about any of the stories in this podcast today, visit gpb.org news. And if you want to stay up on the news that we're reporting on Georgia Today, simply subscribe to this podcast. Hit subscribe and we will pop up in your podcast feed tomorrow afternoon. If you've got feedback or a story idea, we would love to hear it. Email us. The address is georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.